0: Welcome along to Finding Your Feet Podcast. My name is Tommy Small and I'm Artistic Director of Shaper Caper. And today I'm joined by Vince Furr, who is one of the dancers who we've been working with for many years on lots of projects. Vince is currently performing in our production of Within This Dust, our show about 9 And he's just about to join us for a brand new production in our Star Catchers Commission called Teeny Weenie. So hello, Vince, we're delighted to be joined by you. How are you doing?
1: I'm all good, thank you very much. How are you doing, Tommy? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I've been really
0: enjoying listening to you on your various platforms because you're such a superstar nowadays, Vince But Not only are you on television um, with um,
1: Steph's, is it Light Lunch, is that the name of the show? that's Packed Lunch on Channel 4 at 12.30 till 10 past two. I usually do a little bit of a talk as part of the Lunch Met at one o'clock if anybody's interested.
0: Oh, it's been delightful. You've been cheering us up no end. And then I've also been really enjoying you popping up on the various LGBTQ plus History Month um, activities in Bradford. That's been really great hearing um, all your efforts in, in in that as well. So, yeah,
1: it's fantastic. So are you in Bradford at the moment? I'm currently in Bradford, yes, which is the my city of birth and my family are here. And, you know, I've been based in Scotland for the last 10 years. And then just with Covid, I was having a bit of a sabbatical, working in China. I was going to work in Vancouver. And when Covid hit here, I just ended up back in Bradford, which has been really interesting and uh, to see what's going on here and try and get involved and start creating my own projects as well. So I'll always straddle England and Scotland because, you know, I, I love the Scottish dancing and that's where I'm much more known. Well, I've heard you're a straddler, so yes. Well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's obviously we know we've known each other for for a, a good long while um i think we, we we had mutual friends that were dating um and then i think we used to see each other across a bar um in, a, in i think it was like gay late or something and back in the old london days wasn't it where we had yeah. friends who we were dating and then we would kind of go all right uh, at the other end of their
1: arguments <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, they previously dated, so they, they were just kind of not talking so much, but would go and say hi, and then we would awkwardly just be like, hiya, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to talk to each other so that we didn't upset our, our <laughs> own friends. <laughs> we picked a
0: side and we're sticking to it. Um, and then, um, yeah, got to know you as a dancer, so I came and watched you perform when you were in transitions um, as a junior postgraduate. And then you came and worked for uh, me on a project that we did uh, many years ago. And then that's led to lots and lots of stuff over the years, hasn't it? And now you, um, more recently, you've been dancing in Within This Dust, um, our show about 9-11, that you came with us on that, um, uh, that wonderful trip to America, to New York, where we performed at Ground Zero and performed previously at the Cunningham Studios as well. Um, and had a, a, an amazing time in New York, and you're also about to be in our um, new show that we're doing. Um, the commission from Star Starcatchers. You're going to be our, our, um, our one of the
1: performers in Teeny Weeny. Yes, exciting, isn't it? To think yeah. of uh, getting back together uh, and, and dancing. Exciting.
0: Yeah, and it's exciting to think about like actually making new work because it feels like, particularly with this pandemic, it feels like all that. Kind of stuff about making new stuff is kind of kind of ground to a hall in terms of you know there's been lots of like little bits and pieces about interpreting stuff for film or interpret it um, stuff for different ways of kind of of working but this is actually about doing an actual live performance hopefully at some point so it feels really exciting that we could do that so with our podcast friends, we are going to ask you to tell us about three significant moments or three memories from your life that you really hold dear um, and that you kind of want to share with our audiences listening. I wondered if you want to maybe tell us your first story, your first name. Yeah.
1: Um, so my first story, well, the significant moment in my life is when I chose to be a dancer. That moment for me is really clear. I was 19 years old and from Bradford, from an area that you know is. Uh, low socioeconomic area so and being a dancer anything in the creative industries just wasn't there we had an amazing performing arts uh, department at the time at my high school so I kind of got into the you know I wanted to be a vet until 11 and then kind of didn't know what I was going to do and then got into the performing arts thought maybe I'll be an actor then I went to Manchester Met to do dance and drama and when I opened the script I was like I don't want to learn lines I'm not language is not for me <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know we were doing one kind of ballet class a week and I remember seeing their third years and thinking I need to be better than them after my first year of any first year in order to be a dancer and so I need to go to a dance a proper dance vocational training college where you do dance every day and dance technique um and the only place that I knew of was Northern School of Contemporary because it's next door in Leeds and because I'd Being taken under the wing of Bradford Council's Dance for Life dance company called Stance Dance Company run by Kathy Middleton at the time and uh, you know it was an educational dance company went into schools Uh, they came into my school as I was just finishing off my A-levels to do uh, a dance for boys only with contemporary and break dancing for six weeks and that really kind of that changed my thought. And I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I liked being physical. I was learning to be a fitness instructor. And, but, you know, they took me under their wing as an apprentice, saw some potential in me, but that potential I didn't see until I was at Manchester Met where I actually met Davina DeCampo, who's a very good friend of mine. Uh, She was robbed, wasn't she last year?
0: She was robbed, absolutely robbed.
1: Such an incredible vocalist and such a lovely person Owen is um so we've stayed friends and yeah i was lucky so i left manchester met after 11 weeks i didn't have to pay the tuition fees and uh a few months later i had my audition for northern and luckily i got in because if i hadn't got in i don't don't know what i would have done but it just that moment of going right i'm going to be a dancer it was like a pin drop dropping in my brain and from that moment there was no other choice like i had to be a dancer I had to succeed. And that's really set a fire that um, fired me through my training and through all those, you know, like hundreds of auditions and rejections that you get when you come out of training because you're one of hundreds. Um, But that really fired me through and it just lit something. But if it wasn't for the opportunities that I'd had, the few opportunities I'd had the chance to take part in, I don't know what I'd be doing. I, I really don't. And how
0: old were you then? So how old were you when you first started dancing? What was your, what was what
1: Um Well, I actually went to Northern when I was 20, nearly 21. And actually I came out to my family that summer, uh, summer 2003. So I was 20 and I think I only, I only came out because I had a boyfriend at the time. You know, that was a long six weeks, <laughs> first boyfriend, <laughs> story of my life. Um, that kind, of, But that kind of like spurred me into doing it after, de- you know, really struggling with my own sexuality through my entire life. You know, we lived through an era born in the 80s so that you, you know, I went through the Section 28 where you're not allowed to talk about it. The only thing that I saw on TV that I relate to was Queer as Folk, you know, amazing it's a sin right now. And I just met Nathaniel who's one of the actors in it this morning and he's just followed me on Twitter so we chatted so that's nice and he's a real lovely guy um so yeah so it's a long 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 struggle to figure out who I was and I think you know even now because we grew up in that era I think there's certainly in me there's still a lot of internalized homophobia that we still work through and trauma from that era
0: oh my goodness that's exact you know what that's exact word that I was just thinking was trauma um as i i I grew up in that era as well and um so obviously you're a little bit older than me but um... (laughs) (laughs) i must be uh
1: i do invest in moisturizer (laughs) robs
0: you do and it's it's a wonder honestly that super drug own brand at one pound ago you're, you're honestly it served you well um but yeah, I, I yeah, you know, we, we're doing a, a, a thing for LGBTQ plus history month about an A to Z of people that we find iconic or moments in, that we find significant in, in our kind of collective history as a community. And we've been doing that across our social medias. And um, on the third day of doing that, um, we did the letter C for, because in Scotland, it was known as Clause 2A rather than Section 28. And I was talking about how I I found that whole period, um, I, I still feel like we're still dealing with it now, really, and certainly our generation, about the impact on our, our mental health and our worth and how we, our self-worth and how we hold our attitudes towards ourselves, because we grew up in a period that taught us that we were unclean that we were dirty I mean that's like I was reading some articles the other day and that was literally the language they were using they used the word dirty and they used used the word unclean and I just thought what how significant that is to then hear those words or to read those words in newspapers and mainstream media when you're a young person and that you recognize that that's who you are um, and that you're attracted to well at that point for me, um, mm-hmm. I was attracted to um other um other males, and yeah, I mean it's it's it is traumatic, it's hugely traumatic, and I think I
1: think yeah, sorry, I was just going to say I think it you know it still it perpetuates through you know straight people yeah. who have now got children, and yeah. it's still perpetuating through that, maybe slightly diffused a little bit, but certainly in the area that I'm from, that you know. is changing with the younger generation, but they're still within that entire structural uh, heteronormative binary structure to create um, human, uh, you know, order, even though uh, we need and we're seen as kind of chaos and this dirty thing. And actually, we shouldn't be talking about whether you're clean on and dirty in regards to STIs either, because it totally says something different. Yeah. You should, you know, just be asking what is your, you know, do you have any STIs before you sleep with somebody? We shouldn't be using that language anymore right now.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's just so, so damaging. And and I think there is that, that, that almost that hangover of that language then in our community that's then really hard to break down because people grew up with... Yeah, because although I wasn't talking about clean and unclean in terms of STIs, but but you're right; those words are actually still really significant now, um, and hold like a whole other um, set of kind of, of of kind of rules in our community. That's really important that we dismantle those, um, for sure. If I could ask you then, what was that process like for you then coming out? Was it was it uh, you know given the the kind of circumstances of growing up around Section Twenty Eight, um, growing up around you know the the kind of AIDS crisis and um, kind of how that was portrayed in the media uh you talked about queer as folk there has been an iconic kind of um moment in time that I think people of our kind of generation we um you know I'm using that term because that I just find that really funny that uh we are the same age so that's um yes let's just go with that
1: narrative I think it works um I'm getting younger aren't I we're the same age I was older than you
0: (laughs) oh yeah sorry stick to the the same the truth will out Um, but yeah, so how was that, how was that process for coming out out with you, for
1: you? Uh, I mean, it was a long process. I knew from a very young age that, you know, I was different somehow, but maybe that manifested itself in other ways, you know, because I was intelligent at school. I was a real studious compared to my siblings. So, you know, that kind of all maybe fed into me struggling with what it actually was. I had a bit of an eating disorder that I developed and, um, when I was 17 really you know an age when I was really struggling and all the pressure is for you to have a girlfriend and so I'd had a couple of day like a couple of girlfriends to take the pressure off because that's what you should be doing and actually you know cheating myself and you know cheating them which is not a great thing to be doing at any age um not cheating on them but like living a lie for both of us um and uh, you know like at 18 I started to go to the gay club and it was in Bradford, and I remember one of my best pals now, he used to go as well, but he was the year below me. So I'd recognize him, but you know, we'd kind of dance and have a bit of a good time. And then we would not talk at school. <laughs> it was like really compartmentalizing it. But the, the gay club S29 it was called was like, you know, that's where I could be. So then it took another few years and, you know, like having several one night stands and then feeling really disgusted with myself that the next day. Like that was a really difficult process to go through. And then it wasn't until I actually had an official boyfriend that it really was the catalyst for me to, you know, after two weeks falling, thinking I was in love or whatever, <laughs> it absolutely wasn't. I mean, what is that? Um, that was the catalyst for me to tell my parents. And that was, a that was difficult. It was really difficult. And I remember telling them and I, but I remember driving away. And I remember every, when people would glance at the car you know, me in the car, just glancing as I go past, I remember thinking, oh my God, they know that I'm gay. And having this real internalized homophobic uh, perception of people seeing me differently. And that perpetuated for many, many years actually, because, you know, you get in a taxi and they ask you, you're just having a conversation, they ask you what you do. And I never didn't want to say I was a dancer, so I would not say a dancer, I would like curtail round it. Because I think that would, I would perceive that that would flag up me being gay not that every male dancer is a gay, is a gay. <laughs> but it would, you know, flag that up and I'd be trying to assess the situation of like, is this safe? Are they gonna take offense to this? Is it gonna become awkward? You know, trying to make them feel better in a way, like not causing any problems. Same with if they brought up, you know, are you into talking about football? I'm not into sport at all, so I probably am a typical gay. <laughs> so it's that kind of, you know, <clears throat> I only just now I'm like, okay, right. I can deal with it.
0: Okay, so let's segue then over into memory two.
1: Uh, it's not really a memory; it's a kind of time period. So, 2011, I just had my first massive job with Matthew Bonswan Lake, doing a huge UK tour and a huge uh, international tour. So it was 13 months, and you know that was amazing, and it is you know a gay story. And it was great to be, and even though I didn't think of it in that kind of being something for the LGBTQ plus community, I was just a dancer, which is what I've kind of been in all the work that I've done, um, a lot of the work. So I didn't think more on a deeper level about that. I just wanted this dance job, wanted it, you know, auditioned twice for it and got it. And then it was after that, it was like, okay, what do I do now, 2011? Do I move back to London with no job and just get start getting the bar jobs again and trying to go auditions and classes? Um, But actually I then decided to move up to Scotland because I'd met you, you'd offered me the works in 2007, end of 2007, I'd done my first job with you and then with that continued. So I thought, oh, well, Scotland's there. Also Natasha Gilmore I met in London in 2008. She'd also moved to Scotland to Glasgow. So it was just like fate was calling me to Scotland. And I'm very, very thankful that it did, because. I, you know, I've had a great time in Scotland, worked with many, many people, worked to you many times, um, front, and then, you know, got to know lots of people in Scotland, been really embedded in the, the dance scene in Scotland, the contemporary dance scene. And then from Scotland, Scotland's really given me a launch pad to travel the world, like I've performed on all six continents and traveled all over. And, it, you know, I'm really, really, really lucky that that happened for me. And it's also, like, provided a kind of a base for me to. know, I've got these networks around the world, loads of networks in Scotland, I'm trying to build a little bit in Bradford to try and, um, you know, not give back a hate that term, but you know, invest some of my time and skills back into Bradford, or into the cultural scene here, into the dancing to make it to make it more visible and make it an option for people to get into if they want. Um, And with those networks all around the world, it's it's something that I can build on now as I start to create my own work. Also 2011, I trained as a fitness and uh, personal trainer. And from there, they took me on as, like, I started teaching and assessing pilate, people who were doing Pilates and exercise to music and all that kind of stuff. So that was a, a nice little sideline that is connected to dance, but is different. And it was also quite interesting, you know, because since then we've had, you know, we had the Scottish referendum in 2014, Commonwealth Games. That was an amazing, amazing year because it was so much dance work and there was such an energy around that and I got to train with All or Nothing Aerial, doing, um, trained up in aerial dance on the sides of buildings which I've been able to do here and in Vancouver actually and Austria. Um, <clears throat> something else I want to bring to Bradford as well, <laughs> a little bit of aerial stuff. Um, so that was an amazing year, lots of energy um, but also really interesting to be in Scotland when Scotland and England became really divided with Brexit and the referendum and not and kind of not like I knew Scotland more than what I knew England after you know being there for 10 years. So my perception of the world and also being in the arts bubble you know we're in a, a bubble and I'm in the arts bubble which is very lefty and in Scotland which is thinking very different to England and then you know being back in Bradford that's quite a struggle at times to deal with that thought, with those kind of clash of ideas, uh, but you know it's something that I need to try and understand as a, my place of birth really. Not that everybody is, you know, it's just not the art, the arts are always left lefty, eh? but other aspects here, you know, family, friends, <laughs> can be quite t- tricky at times. <laughs>
0: How do you manage then that kind of that shift then so from moving in 2011 then from that kind of London dance scene that you were kind of auditioning in and being part of and kind of doing bits of, you know, work there and then shifting up to up to Scotland and then and being there and really embedding yourself in that community and um yeah kind of observing those political changes you were talking about there as well and then now moving into kind of during this kind of pandemic another kind of almost unexpected from what you've kind of said previously to me about you you had not expected necessarily to be kind of making work in that particular kind of place um but so i'm just wondering kind of like yeah what are your kind of takeaways almost of those kind of like shifts in working in those different places and what do you think are the kind of similarities but what do you think are the areas for um that 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 yeah
1: yeah yeah. um i mean i have been really interested in coming back to bradford for the last few years but you know but covid sped that up really um what i mean because i've traveled all over the world and you know i haven't just been a holiday tourist which is great but because when you work somewhere I'm not a resident but when i'm i'm touring so you kind of semi between being a tourist and a resident so you see in the kind of work ethic and stuff and um and doing that around the world in different cultures you know like egypt south africa china a lot australia canada chile and south america and then various places in europe what you see is you know humanity is is the same all over what you want is a better future for you and your children. That's all people want. And it's within different cultural contexts that people go around that and it's really learning from each other and being open to that learning from other people, even if, you know, other people in Bradford, learning from them, listening to them and having a conversation. I mean, what I find difficult is, um, things like Brexit it's really flashing. it's so heated and so divided that finding that middle ground to actually have a conversation is just pretty much impossible like on my side as well as on the opposite side from what I've encountered so far so it's kind of easier almost to not talk about it like I can't talk to politics about my dad my with my brother because we just argue, like I've left the family WhatsApp group several times because of it, like he just wants to argue sometimes and we get on in all other aspects and you know I need to respect his view but I don't agree with that. Um, So that's that but overall humanity, people are human and they just want a better future and I think that really that cross-cultural understanding and experience of being in a culture, embedding yourself as much as you can, like wherever I go I want to Stay longer, and so I always try and spend a little bit of time and money to stay longer. And people from whatever country they are, you say, Right, I'm staying an extra day, even if it's a day. And they, you ask them your hosts and who's taking you there, like, What can you do for that day? and they are always so generous, like. You want to show people around, you know, you want to show people around Dundee and show them the best parts of Dundee. And I want to show people around the best parts of Bradford or when I was living in London or when I was when I live in Glasgow, which is kind of like a mini London. And I really like the energy of Glasgow. Also, I've lived in Dundee when I was teaching the Scottish School of Contemporary Dance and living in Brota Fere, which was a very good experience. Lovely
0: <laughs> love that you still didn't master how
1: to say that, but that's OK.
0: Is it Brofty? Brofty, No, darling, it's uh, Brotty.
1: <laughs> i only lived there oh, <laughs> i think somebody once told jade that when she came to visit me <laughs> so it's kind of stuck in my head castle street loved that living down a castle although i was you know early 30s at the time and thought oh, i should really be doing this when i'm much much older although i'm always going to dance dance until i die it's yeah. It, oh goodness, I really remember the the
0: parties in Castle Street. Actually, I remember. I remember coming to a party at that house and with um, for Eurovision. And I came as the German flag. So I came as um, like the red. I came as the, the kind of is it red, black, and yellow? Isn't it? That's that's right,
1: isn't it? Uh, no, yellow? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I came with the big famous shaper caper big red parachute dress. I was wearing that on the bottom half, a black t-shirt and I think yellow socks, I think. And I had it rouged up at the front as well. So it was a bit like a mini skirt at the front. Um, but yeah, I really remember that. That Like any time I think of Castle Street, that's the vision I remember. Um,
1: wasn't that when Lorreen won Euphoria? Well, yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a tune. Again, an incredible vocalist. list. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I
0: remember another incredible vocalist doing that on karaoke, Vince Farr. I believe that that was your karaoke song for quite a while.
1: Well, I do have a very powerful tool.
0: You do indeed, but probably the less said about that, the better. Uh, moving on then um, to, I think also just thinking about what you were saying there about the, about the politics of kind of Brexit and stuff, it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of politics I mean politics is like almost like a game of lies like who lies better Um, it feels like and certainly in the last kind of few years it feels like that's been the currency that a lot of politicians have been really dabbling in um well a lot of the politicians perhaps that I don't really respect but um but maybe the ones that I do respect maybe they do maybe they don't so much but um but and that's what feels really difficult about it is like how do you have a rational conversation when so much of the baseline has been lies um, and and that you know we when when you start to unpack that you then realise how much of it is lies. It's then super complicated. How do you respect an opinion when you realise that but your opinion is based on a lie? And
1: but I think it's really it's really difficult. Like my brother has posted several stuff in the WhatsApp group saying you know a tweet here or these kind of facts, and it's really difficult to actually get to the actual fact. Like you know. For, for me, and I'm not super tech savvy, but I know how to type on a on a Google into Google. But even then it's like, okay, what sources do I trust? Like it's so, so difficult because there's so much fake news, so much skewing of numbers that it's really difficult and it's really dangerous and it needs to stop. <laughs> Absolutely, because I think that's it. Like I
0: think I think I've yet to hear someone talk about it rationally, about actual facts about why they believe that Brexit is the right thing. Because I think, you know, we, we have to be able to respect each other's opinions on what that is. But I think it's just, it it, it, it sparks that thing where you want to go, but is that based on on a truth though? Or is that based on something you've heard that has been kind of, um, that's kind of snowballed in, in amongst other lies? And it then makes it really difficult to then go, how do we build a society that actually is respectful at the heart of it when so much hatred and, um, kind of venom is kind of present in a lot of those conversations and a lot of those the reason I guess why this is important in a month like LGBTQ history Month is because all of that kind of hate gets built on from the right wing media and um, and that we, we've just spent four years where in America there was a there was a president who absolutely excelled in that area of kind of spewing lies and it just has, it then shaped the world actually, because although, you know, we're not governed by America, obviously, um, but actually we are then influenced by that, those opinions and those, the politics of those opinions. And I think it's then really difficult seeing things like trans rights being dialed back in America and to then be in Britain kind of going, we've got to make a really hard stance about making sure that those kind of things that we went through back in Section 28 do not have any form of reasonable discussion, because it's just about human rights at the very, very heart of it. And we cannot go into a place where we even debate those. Human rights should never be up for debate. And,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, just to go back on uh, this lie, you know, I think lots of things are based on lies and perpetuation of lies. You know, the first week of February is, you know, the HIV testing week. And there were lies like saying that you could catch it from touch and all that. They've still perpetuated, even to, you know, in the 2010s, like saying that you can get it and uh, feeding off this kind of hysteria or feeding off the unknown. So it's about education. And actually, you know, HIV, go and get tested because the best thing that you can do is know your status. And then if you need medication, you get medication and you become undetectable. You can't pass it on to other people. There's post, um, there's medication in case you have think that you might have contracted it that you can take within three days or, you know, you take PrEP, um, which is available in Scotland and England now after, you know, several years. So there is there's still all those lies and, you know, that perpetuates in into the LGBTQ plus world about, you know, we can we can infect people with it with being gay. We can turn people gay. No, you can't. You're born that way. You just we just need to live in a world where people can be who they want to be, because this this rainbow and this alphabet that we are in the LGBTQ plus world is beautiful and gorgeous and absolutely valued. You are all absolutely valued and it's beautiful. So why are we still being progressing? We are here, we've been here since the dawn of time. There's homosexuality in animal kingdom and we are a natural part of the world. Amen. Lovely.
0: Well, let's move on then to your third
1: and final significant memory, please, Vince. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not really a memory, it's like a moment in time. So this LGBT plus history month is actually the month that I have been most active in the LGBT plus world, LGBTQ plus world. because I don't, I think with COVID, I started to create my own work after creating something for being commissioned by Edinburgh International Children's Festival to make something for their festival in 2019. And, you know, I've started be choreographing my own work. And I think with COVID, being back in Bradford, being able to create work, it's also given me time to reflect. And actually a, a lot of the work and the vast majority of the work that I have be, done as a dancer has been, uh, Feed in the heteronormative uh, narrative. So talking about, you know, male female relationships and you put somebody who looks like a cisgendered female and and somebody else who looks like a cisgendered male on stage, they don't need to do anything. And we're already conditioned to look at them as lovers as a relationship between them because of this heteronormative societal structure. So my, in the work that I'm gonna do, that I am doing I am not feeding into that. There's enough of those stories. That's fine. I've been fed them and I'm not doing that. So, you know, my first duet was uh, two males. It wasn't particularly about a gay relationship, but, you know, you could maybe do that. Think about that a little bit more. Um, And I've just been making, just released a, a, uh, dance film, an in, intergenerational dance film for with a cast from two years to sixty six, all you know community participants, and it's about visibility of our community and it's a celebration of all the aspects of the community. And I I, I gave some notes to the editor, who's amazing, Daniel Johnson, really great videographer and composer. Actually, he's composed of music. Um, you know, we've got the rainbow flags at the beginning and it's important to have all the colors of the flags and the flags in because it's a celebration of the flags of the different communities. Uh, but I was like, okay, how much do we shove this in? It's not a political piece. I'm, I'm not making it politically, but actually by the nature of it being put from our community and being representing our community makes it political. So it's an interesting thing to think of. And it's like, well, it needs to be very clearly. It's not for somebody else. It's about, it needs to be visually beautiful. But also those communities and those flags need to be very clear so that people feel seen so we're not i'm not shoving it down somebody's throat and so what if i am because i don't really care because i've got you know straight culture shoved down my throat all the time which is why i had to pretend to be straight for like 20 years <laughs> in front of everybody um but saying that you know you're visible you're here and you're represented and i'm also doing working on with Yuck Miranda in Mozambique and a remote residency funded by Tramway Theatre in Glasgow um, about looking into preserved pre-colonial queer identities in traditional song and dance in Mozambique so if you can get in touch if you're interested in that we will be doing a webinar and uh, yeah and this dance film that I'm making in Bradford is also part of the Bradford Light Festival that will be part of a a light display in the Carla Sangam Art Centre in Bradford to show visibility as soon as we come out of lockdown. I just felt it was really important to do something in the month that was visible for all the different communities. So I'm not particularly an activist, but I think the art that I'm making or the dance is actually making me a dance activist, which is a different thing for me and it's much more exciting actually in that way. So it would be interesting to see how I balance that with being a dancer for other people. And it's already making me question certain job offers, you know, future job offers and whether that those heteronormative roles are right for me or if, you know, let somebody else do it and I I'm doing my own stuff. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. And I wonder, wonder where can people see the work then? So you're talking about the the piece with flags. It's going to be something that'll happen after lockdown, but the other work that you're talking about is part of History Month,
1: where could people see that? So you'll be able to see that on my website, ww.vincever.com. And it's Vince Ver is V-I-N-C-E. V-I-R-R. So you can or you can Google me and I become top of the list. Um and, you know, through that, you can email me and contact me at hello at vinceveur.com, V-I-R-R. Uh, yeah, for, to talk about that or future stuff.
0: Great. That, sounds, that all sounds great. And it's so interesting kind of talking about your, your work as well and about activism, because isn't it interesting that when you, when you feel like you actually start making work about yourself, sometimes it feels like it almost becomes... You feel like you you're almost becoming political in what you're doing. Whereas it's interesting that we we see it that way, that the, the act of being who we are becomes a political act. Well, thank you, Vince, for sharing those memories. Um and and I think yeah people listening I'm, I'm sure they can hear a lot of they can empathize with a lot of the kind of things that you're saying and they feel like really pertinent things to be talking about as part of the lgbtq history month so thank you for sharing all that with us we've got a few final things to do with you so just to kind of you know lighten things up a little bit and to see if we could do a quick fire without you thinking too much about the answers we've got a classic game of the internet sensation this or that Can we have 30 seconds on the clock, please? Boom! Um, and here we go, Vince. So you don't have to explain. You just have to give us a quick question and we'll quietly judge you as you do that. Okay, are you ready for this or that? Oh, yes. Here we go. So starting now. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Madonna or Kylie? Oh... Oh, Madonna, because it's you. (laughs) Yes. Um, Orange juice or fizzy pop? Orange juice. Prosecco or champagne?
1: Prosecco. Blackpool or Skegness? Black... Mm, I've had some good times in Skegness. Skegness I performed on a wall. (laughs) Ice cream or pizza? Ice cream. Staying in or going out?
0: Going out, because we're always staying in (laughs) Dance music or pop music? Mm, pop. <laughs> <Your vision. laughs> Lady Gaga or Ariana Grande? Oh, Lady Gaga. Absolutely. Phone call or text? Text. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Breakfast or no breakfast? Breakfast. Brunch. Brunch. McDonald's or KFC? Mm, McDonald's. Ooh, mustache or beard? Beard. Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons. Singing or dancing?
1: Oh, dancing! 80s oh.
0: <laughs> or 90s? Hey, oh, 80s. Eight,
1: eight <laughs> Summer or winter?
0: Summer. Dairy milk or galaxy?
1: Dairy milk for sure.
0: Just slightly over 30 seconds. But that was, I mean, that was illuminating, Vince. I mean, we shouldn't really talk about them, but, but I think, yeah, we have to talk about finally you acknowledging your love for Madonna. So that feels that
1: feels significant. Oh, it's just difficult. It's so difficult to choose, isn't it? Icons, McDonald's or KFC. KFC, remember, you actually <laughs> should have picked that many a time. Oh, yes,
0: many a KFC. It's all about balance. You've got, got to have a balance in your, in your diet, don't you? Final question then for you, Vince. So what do you think about you? If from this point where you are right now, looking back to when you were 14, what advice would you give to 14 year old Vince?
1: I would say you are valued. You are loved. You're not alone. We always think we're alone when we're going through various things um, throughout life, but you're not alone. You're not the only person to go through it. You're not the only, you, know, you won't be the last person. So you can reach out and uh, be You know be confident is stupid one because you you know you have to build confidence but you can you can do it you know dream high and work hard work hard mm. at what you do but you will be a success in whatever you do oh i always find this bit quite emotional when i listen to people talking about
0: advice to their 14 year old self because it always feels like oh it's like hits deep but yeah that's really beautiful so now we're going to fast forward into the future lens. So that was 14-year-old Vince. So what advice would you give to 90-year-old Vince?
1: Very much the similar. You are valued. You're not alone. Uh, stay strong. Work hard. You are still dancing, still yeah. dancing, and you still have, you know, who knows what's around the corner. You've got, you know, such excitement going on right now and for years to come.
0: Mm. oh beautiful i mean it's going to be so fascinating seeing you as a 90 year old vince because i just know that hopefully if i'm still around with you at that point in time
1: 105 what yeah (laughs) how
0: dare you that you're going to be like hanging off of some pole going it's fine i can still do it don't worry no problem i think that's what's going to be happening there so and i look forward to that day dear i look forward to that day
1: well, I was lucky enough to dance, to partner and dance with Diana Payne Myers, mm. MDE, who sadly passed away last year at the age of 91. Mm. And I danced with her when she was 82. And she was still rocking out the splits. I was lifting her over my head and she was still on stage, like, mm. you know, doing national tours with um, the Inspector Calls. And she was the on, the person, one of the persons that was on stage all the time. So she is an inspiration. And there's many, many know what we class as older dancers which is basically anybody over 28 in our (laughs) profession but many many people dancers over the age of 40 50 60 70 80 who are incredible and they are inspiration
0: well thank you so much Vince for sharing all of that and letting us know about the real Vince Fair trademark um that was just great to hear your story um so thank you very much and we were looking forward to getting into a studio with you very soon to make teeny weeny can you wait
1: can he wait i mean if you want to see me you can see me on Steph's packed lunch channel 4 <laughs> <laughs> just to look at me <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely let's all tune in and watch Vince um on channel 4 that sounds like a good plan all right thank you very much Vince and thank you everyone for joining us today on our podcast and we'll see you soon on our next one thank you
1: bye Bye! Thank you, bye! Sorry, I thought you totally signed off for me then. I thought I'd finished.